0: We're in a series right now called uh, What Now? And the idea is about not only surviving in the kind of times that we live in with the COVID-19 crisis, with the world feeling shut down, as it were, and, and uh, kind of the, the un- uncomfortable, unusual measures of wearing a mask everywhere you go and, and those kind of things. And um, uh, we believe that you don't, not only do you, can you survive through this time, and I have faith that you will, but that you can thrive through this time. And so we're going to continue uh, this series because this series is really about seizing the opportunities to grow that are here. There are opportunities to grow that are here. And last week, uh, we looked at really through, our, through the first message on dealing with the things you can control in your life. And I gave 10 tips of things you can control. If you didn't see that message, I want to encourage you to go back and watch that because that will really help you kind of lay a foundation and build some uh, A confidence in the things you can control but today we're going to look at surrendering what we can't control and to surrender what you can't control to to god to trust god through that time that's going to take faith now uh, this this message and next week are both going to be messages on faith and i believe faith falls into two categories you have the kind of faith that surrenders in trust to the one you believe in and then there's the kind of faith that gets stuff done and so Today, we're going to look at surrendering to the one we believe in, the one we trust. And then next week, we'll look at, at the kind of faith that, that gets stuff done. And so, uh, I want to dive in right now. Let's pray, and then we'll get into the Word. Father, wherever each person's at right now in their faith, I pray today, Father, that you would help us to grow stronger in our faith. And I pray, Lord, as we come to you today, as we surrender to you, as we offer our lives to you, I have faith that you're able to keep that which we commit to your trust. And so I'm praying, Father, that you deliver us from, from a, a, a paper religion, a, 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 the statement idea on paper, I'm a Christian, but in every other way I depend on the, the world's systems to accomplish my life. I, I declare today that you are more than able to provide and care for your people. And so I pray, Father, that that would come through clear and you build that foundation so that we could surrender and so that we can get stuff done for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, how many of you remember your swimming experience when you first had to learn to swim? I see some hands going up in the room. If online, if you remember that, maybe a note in your chat box, yeah, I remember that. Did you love it? Was it scary? For me, swimming was a scary experience. Partly because uh, some of you have probably heard me tell the story about when I escaped my house, my apartment, at two years old. But when I escaped, I went uh, around to, I went around a swimming pool and then some kind of cesspool that would have killed me. And I think it probably made my mom nervous. And so somewhere in the journey, she would always warn me about the water. Stay away from the water. Water's scary. Water bad. Only in the bathtub is it okay. Mommy needs to be supervising, that kind of thing. So about four years old, five years old, somewhere in there, uh, but she took me to get a swimming lesson. And when she took me to get the swimming lesson, there was a a lady there who was trying to help me get comfortable in the water. And so we're at the shallow end of the pool and she's trying to teach me to float. And every time she would lean me back to float, I would stiffen up scared and I would just sink into the water. And she said, no, 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 you just got to relax. Don't don't get stiff. Take a deep breath and relax. Let the water carry you. And I would like, no, if I stiffen up, I try to control the experience and boom, down I would go. And it took time for me to move from all the other programming that told me water's bad, water's not safe. Water can be unsafe and water can be bad if you don't know how to partner with the water that you're in. She was trying to teach me how to partner with this new experience. And my little, you know, whatever, I mean, I'm not exactly tall now, but I mean, my little four year old, five year old body might have been this tall against a swimming pool that was at least as bigger than this stage. Could you imagine? Right now, we're in a situation with this COVID-19 crisis that's upon the planet. It's kind of like a big swimming pool that none of us really wanted to get into. But now that we're in it, we're having to learn to cooperate with it. We're having to float and the more you try to control the outcome i find the more we sink if we don't sink in our experience we start sinking in our thoughts we start getting into kind of a as it were a mental mental crisis floating requires you to breathe to relax and 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 to not get tight that's the only way you're going to ride the water that's the only way you'll ride The wave, and so this is this season, COVID nineteen, or whatever else you want to call it, is a season we've had to learn to ride. There's a passage in the in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter twelve, verse twenty five, and God has just come through, speaking through the writer of this book, and talking from Hebrews eleven up to this point has been talking about some of the most famous people of faith that are throughout the entire Bible. And it talks about their faith and how their faith, how their faith has grown. And, but it finishes with this. See that you do not refuse him, referring to God who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he's promised saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now, this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, listen to this. Therefore, since we, you, right there, say we, out in your homes, where you're at, look at each other. Come on, look around the room. Say we. We are receiving a kingdom. Listen, we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. Hey, listen, there's a whole lot about that passage I don't understand in its application. But there's one thing that I can see very clearly in this passage. There's a purpose for the shaking. And maybe right now in your life where you're at, you feel that shaking. Here's the purpose of the shaking, to remove the shakable stuff in all of our lives. Listen, not just COVID-19 and huge events. These are gonna be at once a decade or longer type of experiences. This passage isn't just about that. This passage is about, uh, would include other areas of our lives, like our personal lives, like our jobs. Some of us are discovering that, that, that we actually, that, that our jobs are just a, a resource and that God is actually our source. It includes our finances. It includes our marriages and all other kinds of relationships. It includes, honestly, anything that we can build our lives on that's shakeable. That's temporary. That's sand, as it were. You know, uh, Jesus said in, in a teaching in Matthew, he warns us about what we build our house on, and we want to build our house on a rock and not sand. And and, you know, uh, when I think about sand, you know, well, why would anybody want to build their house on sand? Well, why do we like to go to the beach, you know? Why would I, why would I like to lay in the sand? Sand is comfortable and it's conformable and it's, you know, it's, it, it, it's available. It's, it's, but building on a rock, it's not comfortable and it's, but it is solid. And so, I believe that the purpose of the shakings in our lives, honestly, is to make us unshakable. And I believe if any, whatever's come to us in our lives, whatever has come to us in our lives has come ultimately to make us better. In other words, I believe God is good. I believe God's loving. I believe he's wise. And if it came, whatever's come to my life through a, a loving, good, and all-wise God, then I believe it has a good intended end, that God actually calls us all things to work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And so... Here's the question I have for you. How's that working out in your life? Are you shaking or are you unshakable? Here's a little test for you. When COVID-19, when it hit the news, this was coming to the United States and then that businesses might shut down and then just the fear factor of not knowing what's happening with this disease and how it connects with our bodies and what the death count is from the likelihood of those who get it in the, in the target range and then these anomaly things when it was no longer just the above 60-year-olds, but then they find these anomaly 20-something-year-olds and 40-year-olds that died from COVID and, and those kind of things. What, here's the test, what did you turn to inside yourself instinctively? Did you turn to the news for your answers? Did you turn to the best, the best that science has to offer? What did you turn to, or did you turn to God as your confidence, as the one who keeps your life, as your shield and your exceeding great reward? as the Bible said to Abraham, as God said to Abraham. What, have, what was your first internal response and what have you been relying on through this time? And while I'm there asking that question, let me ask another question. What causes some to shake and others to be unshakable? I'm moved by the story when Israel was coming into the promised land and Joshua or, or Moses was bringing them in and began to begin to do this initial journey of spying out the land and he sent a leader, an elder from the different 12 tribes of Israel. Israel had 12 tribes. He sent a leader from each tribe. So 12 spies went out to check out the land that they were supposed to go get. God gave it to them, said, You're going to go into this land. I've promised to give it to you. You're going to displace the inhabitants of the land. They're bad, they're evil, they don't worship me, they're idolaters, and they won't bow the knee to me. And you'll see when you go in there. So I'm going to clear them out, I'm going to give you this land. That's the promise. So Moses says, Cool, we got a promise. All Israel knows about that promise. They get up to the land, they send out spies. When the spies come back and give their report, here is their observation. Here's what I want you to notice there are 12 people going through a common circumstance. 10 of them have one conclusion. Two of them have a totally different conclusion. They all come back, 100% of them come back and saying, the land is great, it's beautiful. Man, the fruit there is amazing. I saw grapes as big as grapefruit. You know what I'm saying? We could make some serious wine without their thinking and, and all kinds of stuff. And your grape jelly, dude, you got it going on. So, so they're, 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 and the raisins. What would a raisin look like from that? Anyway, uh, probably the size of a prune or bigger. So they're, 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 they're just, the land is fruitful. It's, it, it, is a, it is a land flowing of milk and honey. But here's where they divide. They both say, the 10 tribes say, but here's the problem. There's an obstacle in that land. There are people that are the size of giants there. They're huge. And, and, and so, and we're like grasshoppers in their sight. Like we are gonna be like, so they're big in our sight and we are small in their sight. God did not know what he was doing bringing us up to this point. Then you have, the, you have Caleb and Joshua, the two other spies. They would go on to be men of renown. Here's what they said. Who cares how big the obstacle is? In the sight of God, that obstacle is small and they will be our bread. 12 people going through the exact same thing. Totally different perspective on what's happening. I wanna tell you something. First of all, I want you to know, all 12 of those people were in covenant with God. So the the Christian equivalent is, it's like all the churches in this region where we have multiple people who are, they are uh, uh, all over the church. The People have different perspectives about what we're going through in COVID-19. It's a big deal, it's not a big deal. Here's the thing with Caleb and Joshua. They were not saying that those weren't giants in the land, and they weren't saying that they, for the ordinary person, wouldn't be a problem, but they said we're not ordinary people. We are the covenant people of God. And he's going to give us what he promised. So what causes some to shake and others to be unshakable? I think it has everything to do with our faith. Our trust in God. And so here's the question as I open up our message today. How can we have the unshakable kind of faith versus shaky faith? Maybe another way to ask it is, how can we live in the help of God's power versus living in the helplessness of our weak efforts to control the outcome? How can we, like on the water, how can I breathe, relax, and trust in the God who put me in this water to keep me floating on it versus trying to control it and sinking in it? Are you following me? If the water represents our circumstance, then our faith in God represents our capacity to float. I hope you're following that right now. Excuse me. I accidentally killed my notes. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna, I wanna look at a few things here today we, that, that will help us do that. How can we have, the, have this and, so, uh, and how to control this. The first thing we're going to do to have an unshakable faith. To have a faith that doesn't sink in crisis is the first thing we need to do is we need to understand what faith is and is not exactly. The first thing faith is, faith is substance. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Uh, you know, another, another d- definition for a substance is just the word real or solid. So faith is, is solid. It's not flimsy. In other words, I can say it this way. If I was to look at it as food and I would eat it, it fills me up. If I was to look at it as a foundation I would build my house on, it's, it's solid. It's a rock. It will hold it up. Are you following me? What it's not is empty. And, and you know, uh, well, let me just say this James 2. James 2.14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that fi- kind of faith save anyone? That's a good question. James two verse nineteen says, "You say you have faith, for you believe that there's one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror." What's James getting at? It's not enough to believe in God. We need that faith needs to lead us to surrendering to Him. The demons believe in God; they were unsurrendered and they rebelled against God. That's a whole other teaching. But the bottom line is. This faith is actionable, and it's not just theoretical. In other words, I can do something with it. It's not just in name only. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's an idea today that you can be a Christian. You can, you, we can have this idea of, of, of uh, I'm a Christian. I say yes to God. I raise my hand to receive Jesus, or however you did that and not have to change, and nothing has. there's no dependence, actually, on God. So I come to church on Sunday, I put on one kind of face, and then I live all week dependent on all the other stuff I learned in school, all the other stuff I learned throughout life. And I'm not saying there's not practical things we need to live by, but friends, if your faith isn't practical, if it doesn't practically impact your life, you've got to wonder if you have real or genuine faith at all. Which leads to the next idea. Faith is something you live by. Faith is something you live by. Hebrews 10.38 says, And my righteous ones will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. What's it saying? It's saying that when you have faith, it should, you should live by it, and if you begin to turn away from that, oh, I only believe when it's convenient, but the moment the going gets tough, well, then I don't believe. I believe in something else to carry me through. 2 Corinthians five, verse seven says, For we live by believing and not by seeing. So faith is something you live by. The third thing is faith is how you please God. Hebrews eleven six six says, it's impossible to please God without faith. Stop there for a minute. It's impossible to please God without faith. He wants the genuine kind. It's impossible. If you're in line there, type impossible. It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to God must believe that God exists. And that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Have you bl- been believing that God will reward you as you sincerely seek him through this hard season? We're seeing it. I mean, in Lifeway Church, we are seeing the blessing of God in, in Lifeway. And, in, in, you know, uh, I want to say this about, about our congregation. You're an amazingly generous people. In the midst of what can be challenging, clearly some, some, many of you have faith because you're still giving to something, you're still worshiping God through your money. And some of you, some of you that's, that may have decreased, some of you that's increased, but in all things I find you generous. But there's others of you that I imagine are, are holding on to every penny because your trust is in the resource and not the source. who's provided the resource for you. Well, I'm gonna tell you something. If you can come to God, believe that he is God, that he exists, he's present in your life. I want you to know that. I just feel that right now. even like right where you're at, in your house, in your car, wherever you're listening to this, up in your cabin, I don't know, wherever you're at, God's presence is with you right now. And Holy Spirit, I ask that as I continue to read these, the word of God to people, their faith will come by hearing and hearing your word right now. You must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Look, if you're diligent, if you're sincere in you're seeking, there's a reward for you. I'm looking out, I can see uh, one of our our interns, Tim Smith, is in in a seasonal transition of his life where he's trying to figure out what his next step is. He's been here interning, COVID was not on the radar. He was probably assuming he would leave here, put in his application at some churches and they would hire him. Well, that's not coming to pass right now. And so now he's trying to figure out his next steps. And we just had a conversation in my house the other day and he was saying, I'm not sure what my next step is. He knows he could fall back on going to, back to see his family, but, man, I know he would love to see God continue. All of us want to go on the adventure. And when they're young like that, man, when they're in there, you know, uh, you, get a, you get a 21, 22-year-old, they're like, yes, I want to go on the adventure. They're not like, I want to go home. Nobody wants to do that when you're 21. No offense to his parents. They lo- he loves you. It's that they want to do what God's made them to do. This is an advent- This is, a, this is a, a, a season of faith. Well, as he sincerely seeks God, God's going to provide for him. And the the fifth thing I want you to know about faith is faith is precious to God. Like whatever it is for us, here's what it is to God, it's precious. Look at 1 Peter 1 verse 7. These trials will show that your faith is genuine and it's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. As you study the Bible, the one thing you're gonna see about faith, genuine faith, tested faith, is God loves it. Jesus over and over again in his ministry, as he walked the earth over and over, he'd come upon a, a Roman centurion who would say, hey, Jesus, you don't even need to follow me or come heal my servant. My servant needs healing. You don't need to even come into my house. You don't have to do any of that. Just speak a word and my servant will be healed. He goes like, it says, Jesus marveled at his faith and said, oh, I've not found great faith like this, even in all of Israel. I wanna tell you what Jesus is. I wanna tell you what faith is. Faith is an equal opportunity pleaser of God. You don't, a person who's not in covenant, who suddenly has faith in the God of covenant, the God of covenant will look at all the other people that say they're Christians and say, eh, meh, their faith is so-so, but there's this person, their faith is like, wow, they believe me. And he was always angry at unbelief. He was always frustrated by people who should know him the best, who should trust him the most. That at hard times they go, oh, we're, they get, they get like, you know, you, know, you know, Winnie the Pooh? You got Tigger, Tigger's got bouncy faith, and then you got Eeyore, man. Eeyore's got that, so Tigger's got great, and Eeyore's got that, it's all gonna be bad faith. Now just picture that donkey walking around with his tail hanging low. Some of you've been a donkey toward God and your tail's been hanging low. And it's time for you to believe it in every circumstance that the ticker's like the bounce and, and you can bounce and you can get that faith in your inner man and it will carry you up into what God wants to carry you up into. Here's the question, why is faith such a big deal to God? Because it is a big deal. You can't look at the Bible, you can't look at the New Testament, you can't even look at the Old Testament and see it's not a big deal to God. Faith is always a huge deal. I think part of the reason is Adam and Eve ultimately fell through unbelief. The human race fell into the condition that we're in because the devil came and offered a man and a woman a better opportunity than what God was offering seemingly. He lied and said he had a better thing. Hey, if you eat this fruit and the day you eat of it, you'll be like God. This temptation comes. You're going to know good and evil. And so they stopped believing that God, The God said the day you eat of it, you'll surely die. The devil said you're not going to die. They believe. In other words, they believe the devil over God. And folks, some of us are still doing that today. We're still believing lies over the word of God. And that breaks the heart of God. And when we believe the truth, God marvels and he gets excited. Why is genuine faith such a big deal? You know, when Lydia and I, we went to uh, uh, Mexico- uh, uh, well, a couple of different times we were out. Actually, we went to the Dominican Republic first, but I saw this in Mexico a lot too, where you go down these little shops that are on the, near the beach and you got everybody trying to sell their stuff. These peddlers are trying to sell everything. And these guys will walk up and while they don't have a coat because it's hot, I want you to picture something. I always picture like the guy walking up with a little big coat on with all the watches dangling down, you know, in his coat, to buy a watch you know, and shifty eyes. Well, they had their version of that on the beach and they'd walk up and they'd say, Ray-Ban, Ray-Ban, you want to buy Ray-Ban? And they'd hold these glasses up that were supposed to be Ray-Bans, but upon closer inspection, I'm like, I got to admit, your artwork's good. That does look like Ray-Ban, but this isn't Ray-Ban. Well, what's the point? They were offering me a counterfeit to something that genuinely is a good quality uh, piece. They were offering me some counterfeit. They thought it was enough to make it look like it, put it in the same shape of it, maybe tint the glasses the same color and write the name on it. And that would be good enough. But folks, that's superficial. What ultimately made Ray-Bans Ray-Bans back in the day was the quality of their lenses and the protective, the protection that they had and all that kind of stuff. Later, I would go to buy uh, a camera online as I was researching for my daughter, Jessica, she began to get into photography. And I, I found this one place that had a certain camera body that was on sale for like $200 cheaper than everybody else. But as I began to research into that site, I found out they sell these knockoffs from like China or whatever that look like it, but they are not the actual camera. They even are built almost to spec like it, but they're not made of the same internal parts. So again, functionally, they look the same. But at the end of the day, the quality of the parts isn't the same. In the same way, and of course there's counterfeit money, right, I mean we all, I don't wanna, I want a real hundred dollar bill, not a fake one. God wants real people with real faith to really follow him. He doesn't want us to show up at church and look like, or show up and gather as a church, lift our hands one way, and act like we're worshipers, but then go live our lives not as worshipers, not as believers. You know, the defining character of us, we refer to ourselves as believers, the defining characteristics of believers, of course, is that they believe. Why is genuine faith such a big deal? Because genuine anything, even in our lives, is a big deal. Second major point here then if we want to have an unshakable faith, that if we did, that's understanding what it is and what it isn't. Okay, real faith has substance, it's genuine, it's got stuff to it. The second thing is we need to understand how faith grows. How it grows. James chapter one, verse two, reiterating Peter's ideas. My brothers and sisters, count it, listen to this, nothing but joy when you fall into various trials. Nothing but joy. Who does that? I'm in a trial. Woohoo! How many of you when you went when COVID started? Right? You're like, wow! There's an opportunity to grow in God. I can't wait. Who does that? Nobody does that. Here's why. Why would anybody do that? James he answers the question, just a verse later, in James one verse three, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete needing nothing. Now think about it. Aren't you glad that when you buy a car that that model of vehicle has been tested at some point? Right? We understand, I want that car. It's not complete until it's been tested. Yeah, it may be put together, seemingly put together right, but somebody, please test that car out or at least have it tested out in some point in the history of the creation of these kinds of vehicles because at some point, I'm going to get in it. And at some point, I'm going to put my family in it. I want to know that it's going to take me to my destination safely. I want to know that I have an accident. I'm going to be safe. I want to know that it does exactly what it's supposed to do. And when we're being tested, God's doing the same thing to us. He's making us perfect, complete. The car's not complete until it's been tested and neither are you, man and woman of God. Neither are you until you've been tested, until your face faith tested. You don't even know if you have faith. In other words, trials and tests are God's gym to help get us stronger. Your faith is like a muscle that needs to grow. You know, Romans, uh, Romans 12 talks to, tells us that we need to do things in proportion to our faith or to the measure of faith that God's given to us. And so there's, a certain, there's a certain group that in their understanding of the sovereignty of God would say, you, whatever faith you got whatever faith you got, you can't, do, you can't have any more. That's just simply not true. And, 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 and the and proof to the pudding is inside your body is a, is a muscle system that God's given to you, that if you exercise it, you can grow those muscles. But if you don't exercise it, if you just let them sit around lazy, they get weak. And the problem with the United States is we have not had to depend on much. If you're a Western world culture watching this right now, we haven't had to depend on much. I've got my, I've got my friend, uh, pastor in India, Raj, uh, relates to me online and and those he, he ministers to rural Indian churches. He just wrote me the other day. They have nothing. They have zero income. He just believes in praying to God provide. They have no other way to believe. Face a muscle that needs to be exercised. And when we get put in the circumstances, we find out as we as we go to exercise it, as we go to build it, what what exactly uh, we're made of. And so you have to exercise it. And I want to say this to you because. The Bible tells us that God has chosen the poor to be rich in faith. Let me retranslate poor. God has chosen those who have a minimal amount of resources to depend on God as their source and the provider of their resources. That's what God has chosen those who are missing that. When Lydia and I, some of you have heard me tell this story before, but uh, when we were first... um, Dating, we were actually we weren't even dating. We were just relating, and we came up to visit in Pennsylvania, and and we were going to be outside playing half court basketball uh, at this particular place. We were playing barefoot, which was stupid. We had been swimming, and we were out in the macadam. My brother in law goes up to do a layup, and when he comes down, he lands. His ankle lands in this little like chalk hole thing, and his ankle snaps. You can hear it goes it's a sound. It's ugly. And if I showed it to you like on a graphic, like I, I, I looked up those ankles. Uh one one year I thought about what I did a message called Miracles 101. I talked about this and and it there it was phenomenally ugly. It was huge. His ankle looked like about the size of a grapefruit. It had purple and red and all kinds of ugliness going through it. He was writhing on the ground in pain. Now I'm gonna tell you why my faith. We had been talking about miracles, but but here's the reality of it. I didn't know where I was at in Pennsylvania. Now for some of you you're gonna that's might frustrate you, but I thought I was in the middle of nowhere. I thought there wasn't the a hospital for like a hundred miles. Because I didn't know where I was at. I'm from, I was from Dallas where you drive every 10 feet and there would be another medical facility. And so I had this moment of faith where I laid, knelt down like, we, if, he doesn't, if God doesn't heal him, he's not getting healed. I was having one of those kind of moments. And I, I knelt down and I, I put my hand on his ankle and I said, God, if it's your will, I ask you to heal him. And, and nothing happened. What was happening? I, I stayed in this place of uncertainty about the will of God in a circumstance. No, it's God's will for him to sit there and suffer. That must be the will of God. That, that dawned on me. That doesn't make any sense. And so I get mad and I'm frustrated. Like some of you are mad at God right now. And some of you are facing circumstances right now. And I stood back and I was like, God, I'm, I'm so frustrated. Why won't you heal him? And all of a sudden I heard the Holy Spirit say, I will heal him. Now, listen, some of you are judging God the same way I was judging God. You're in a circumstance where you have said, if it be your will, help me out of this. And you are looking at the circumstance and you're judging God saying, why won't you do something, listen, that he's quite willing to do. And so I, I knelt down there and I, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, I will heal him. And I said, okay. So I go back over to him. I kneel back down. I said, what do you want me to do? Folks, if you get nothing else out of this message today, faith, surrender, that's the question surrender asks. What do you want me to do? And I'll do it. doesn't matter what it is, God. I'll do it, I'll obey. What do you want me to do? And so I walk back over there and I kneel down. What do you want me to do? And he said, command this ankle to line up with the word of God. So, I just, I, so he asked you first thing he told me, put your finger right there. So I put my finger right there. I, I don't know how you know what right there is. You just kind of know by the Holy Spirit, that's a future series. Pastor Vern will teach on that, he does a good job. I put, put, put your finger right there and, I, and then I hear him say to me, now command this ankle to line up with the word of God. Now I want you to know, and I say I hear him, these are impressions, I'm not hearing a voice, I have an impression that I should just do this. And I said, in the name of Jesus, command this ankle to line up with the word of God, in the name of Jesus I command this ankle to line up with the word of God. Suddenly I feel his foot come out from under me, he says, man, I'm healed. I said, how do you know you're healed? He said, while you were praying I felt this intense heat go through my ankle i can I t- tell you the rest of the story, but the bottom line is that, that purple, whatever, eggle was perfectly normal looking. Listen, we were thrown into a circumstance. We, neither one of us wanted to float on, but we had to. It's because I thought I had no availability of resource. My faith was strengthened. Here's the question. Could we stay in a strengthened faith even with the availability of resources? That's the real question. Shouldn't we be able to? Can the rich follow God? God may be chosen the poor to be rich in faith because the poor have no other option. But listen, when you have resources, can you trust God in the season of resource anyway? I think you can. Which leads to the third thing. We need to do, so if the first thing is we need to understand what it is, the second thing we need to understand how it grows, then the third thing is we need to do things that catalyze faith's growth. Catalyze means to cause something to grow or to accelerate growth. It's like a reaction. So for a second, let me tell you what faith doesn't do. According to the Bible, it does not take into account the situation, the circumstance, or what one has on hand. Where do you get that, Jimmy? Romans chapter 4. God who gives life to the dead it calls into being things that were not against all hope. Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but he was strengthened in his faith. He gave glory to God. Listen to this. And this may be the perfect definition of faith. So listen, what is faith? It's this. Being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. And whether it was Joshua, Caleb and the Israelites going into the promised land, they believed God could do what he had promised. And it's why it's credited to him for righteousness. And whether it's Abraham, whether it's them, you're gonna find a common theme when you study the people that made it to the Hebrews 11, chapter 11, testimony of faith, that they believe God could do whatever he had promised. We were just talking in our pre-prayer meeting before the service about the, about the uh, 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 Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and guys like Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were threatened with fire by death by fire if they wouldn't bow down and worship an idol. And, and King Nebuchadnezzar strongly challenges them and says, listen, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you don't bow down, I'm gonna throw you into this fire. And listen to what he says, and what God will, is able to save you from my hand. And he said, okay, they say, okay. Whether our God is able is not in question. Our God is able and he will deliver us from this fire. But even if he doesn't, we're not bowing down to your idol. Listen, something in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in their followership decided that, Jesus, that, that God was worthy. And as a Christian, we, have to, we, we come from a lineage and a heritage of people that decided Jesus Christ was worthy even if he didn't deliver them out of it. But he most certainly, his intention, I think normally and generally is to deliver us out of our circumstances, out of our suffering for the purpose of his glory. But even if he doesn't, I'm gonna die. Listen, I signed up, I said the other week, I signed up to die so I can live. You can't live while you live in fear your whole life. That's not really living. I live as a dead man walking every day. People are like, aren't you afraid when you go to the grocery store or getting things like COVID? I'm like, not even a little bit, not even a little bit. Are you saying it's impossible if you forget it? Nope, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that even if I do and I die, I'm okay because I belong to Jesus Christ. Whether I, if I, if I live, I'm gonna serve the Lord. If I die, I'm gonna be with the Lord either way I win. Some of you didn't sign up for that kind of faith. You signed up, "I just want to make sure I go to heaven. For you, it's not been about to live as Christ, to die as gain. it's just been to live is to live. To live is for me. And if Jesus offers me an option towards eternity, I'll take it. But that's not really what, we're, what, what, what it's called to be and where we're supposed to be. So do you look at your circumstance and decide what you can or cannot do, or do you look at God what He says and what He's called you to do in me? I know uh, Recently we were in a staff meeting and last week and Lydia, my wife, was talking to us about, you know, asking God for daily bread for the church. She literally just told us that story about believing God. I don't know how it's gonna happen, but God will provide for our staff. God's gonna provide to make sure that we all keep working and all that. And I think like literally either that day or the next day, it was probably coming in the mail, and by the next day it came and opened up a letter, and someone had given LifeWay a gift of eleven thousand dollars. Commending the work of the staff and providing what we're providing you right now being thankful and really honestly there was a partnership one person's asking and another person's partnering To give and to be a response to God. It was a beautiful thing to watch the hand of God move Here's the here's the thing Lydia wasn't looking at she didn't take into account. What resources were on hand Because nothing makes sense and a lot of your resources are challenged right now And some people felt like well This is the time for me to give and they gave and God makes it all work so Instead of trying to figure out how God's gonna do it, don't make reason your God, make God your God. When you make reason your God, your your God is very small. I wanna tell you that our God's quite unreasonable. He caused Peter to walk on water. He caused Jesus to walk through a wall. Like, that's not reasonable, not to what we know. Unless you go, because God, except God. Let me tell you what faith, I told you what faith doesn't do, let me tell you what it does faith feeds itself to grow romans chapter 10 verse 17 says so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god jesus said matthew 4 4 under his own temptation it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of god let me tell you something you are already feeding your faith something right now you feed your faith the news you feed your faith lies you feed your faith a lot of stuff and it ultimately generates fear or you're feeding your faith the Word of God. You're feeding your faith the truth of God's Word and it's strengthening you with might in your inner man to face what you're facing. You need to feed your faith. In as much as I I can eat Twinkies and donuts, and I did have one donut this morning, but that's confession. confession. Generally, I try to eat healthy, I eat salads and spinach and high dense, you know, uh, nutrient dense foods. Why? I wanna strengthen my body in a healthy way. But I can eat in a certain way that I'm taking in food, but it's hurting my body. You can hurt your faith or you can help your faith. Your faith's kind of neutral. You have to place it in something, and only you have the ability to do that. And you can place it in God, or you can place it in the spirit of the age. And the second thing that faith does is faith surrenders to the Lord of the growth process. Faith surrenders to the Lord of the growth process. You know, over throughout the course of my life, I have five... I have five children. I have four grandchildren. Just had this happen the other day. One of my grandchildren, basically, uh, though at some point in the child's journey, they will come, their toy breaks, their situation gets messed up. In this case, it was a digital toy. So something wasn't working right there. And, and, and a child would come. And so Ari came to me, and my grandchild came to me the other day and he handed me, um, this, this, uh, you know, my iPad and wanted me to fix something. And so we, I was trying to help him and he said, no, I got it. And, you know, he wanted to do it. And, would let me help. But then he was playing this game later and he said, you know, help me pop up. But then when I go to help, he just wanted to do it himself. It's almost like he really didn't want my help. He wanted me to watch. And sometimes we can do that with God, just like a child brings to us, fix my toy, but then they don't let go of it. They, well, here, let me, help, let me help you. No, I got it. Okay, well then I'll let you have it. Well, fix my, but fix my situation, and we we do that with God. God, fix my situation. I'm holding out my my marriage. I'm holding out my job. I'm holding out my business. I'm holding out the future, and I'm saying, God, fix it. And then and then, God says, Okay, give it to me. But then we don't let go of the circumstance. We don't let go of the thing. the same way the children don't let their mommy or daddy fix it. We don't let our dad in heaven really fix it. Fix my marriage. God, if you just take help my husband of mine make him, some of you are living together, you're discovering things about your marriage you didn't know. God, fix my man. He, he's got issues. Well, surrender your marriage to me and maybe I can. Quit trying to control All the details all the outcome and let me work on the situation no but if i I need to help you out god that's like the child trying to fix the toy god fix my business hey how about you surrender your business to me god bless my finances how about you worship me as the lord of your finances continue tithing continue doing those kind of things worship god with your money fix my you know fix my family fix my fix fix it all fix 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 and god's like give your life to me and I can do that you know if you go back to the, the picture of me learning to swim and rest on the water learning to breathe in ultimately at the end of the day it's learning to trust that the process actually works that if I relax if I breathe in if I rest on the water it will carry me Lydia and I were uh, took a sabbatical last summer and I I remember my training from when I was a kid. We would go out to the deeper, not too deep, but deep enough into the ocean. And the waves were a little more wavy. It's Sarasota, so it's not too bad, but they were a little more wavy. And I looked over at this lady who had no, no uh, you know, we call them boogie boards, whatever you call them, little flotation device. She didn't have one, but she was floating perfectly. And when the wave would come in, it would wave and her body would just kind of go with it. I thought, I want to try that. Well, the only way that works is, and now I had faith from a swimming pool, now I'm in a new circumstance, it's a little less safe. I got the whole ocean here carrying me. A little less safe than a swimming pool, but I'm seeing somebody else having success. When you feed yourself the word and you see the people who've had success, when you hear testimonies like we share of those who've had success, it builds our confidence to try a bigger wave. And so then we get on that wave and we rest, and I begin to do it, and sure enough, here I would go, the wave would hit me and I would just go with the wave. You can't fight the wave we didn't we didn't ask for what we're in right now but if you fight it you're going to sink but if you'll rest in the confidence in the lord's power to keep you up to sustain your family your marriage your health your business he will he'll do it and some of you you know you have a hard time trusting god because you had a bad circumstance that didn't go the way i'm describing several years ago many years ago now we had a friend whose baby i think it was trisomy 18 or 13 was one of those trisomy diseases and the child was told by the doctors it would not live long outside the womb and uh, the child lived for multiple i forget six seven eight days outside the womb it was its own miracle but the child ultimately died and my friends asked permission from the doctor if my child dies can we pray for we do have time to pray over this child for god to raise this child from the dead because jesus said you know freely you go uh cast out demons heal the sick raise the dead freely you receive for the give. so they called me over as one of their pastors and lydia and i went over there and i prayed over this child for six hours for God to raise this child from the dead. He didn't raise the child from the dead. Honestly, when I went into it, I knew I didn't have faith for that. That's the truth. I looked at that. And I thought this is not going to happen. So I got exactly what I was expecting. But I will say this, you know, I've been working out with my sons-in-laws once in a while. And Stuart and I and Gavin were working out in my basement gym I was lifting weights, and, and uh, we got to the end of the set, so where you do these things called negative reps, where you basically can't lift it up anymore, but you can slowly do, let it pull down, and then, then your spotter pulls it back up, and then you do it again, and so you just can't do anything. Then it's like, woof, it drops quick, and they've got to save your life, you know? I find those negative circumstances are kind of like negative reps. In the moment, it feels really bad. In the moment when the weight's falling on me, and I have nothing more I can give, I find just like that circumstance, just like my spotter, God's like the sovereignty of God, pulls that thing back up and says, listen, I know that was hard. I know you can't lift that weight yet. But what you just did is gonna make you stronger. I've noticed as I do stuff like that, my increased gains. I was increasing my bench press by five pounds a week. That's I mean, I don't know what that's for others. for. This little guy, that's a big deal. You know, and so I, I went from being able to bench 160 pounds starting this deal to 205 pounds for five reps. How'd that happen? Exercise. Next week, we're going to look a lot about exercising our faith, but right now, I want to help you process the negative experience that God will take your negative experience and cause it to work for your good if you'll trust Him. And some I mean of you need to do that today. Listen, surrender. Giving God control. Let me ask you this. How has control of your own life worked out for you so far? How has it worked in your relationships, your provision? And especially how is it working out in your peace? Because I know when I feel like I'm in control, I have almost no peace. And when I believe that God's in control, I have all the peace I need. Jesus made a very clear promise that in this world you're going to have difficulties. But you can take heart that he's overcome the world. I want to encourage you to surrender to the leadership of Jesus. And not only will he save you for eternity, not only will he help you fix it, your marriage or whatever, your family, and those things that fall apart, that may fall apart because if it's a negative rep, whatever, it's a negative experience. That may be difficult, but he can fix your eternity for sure. But the only way he can do that is if you quit playing this, I'm just going to say a prayer thing, and I'm going to give Jesus the control of my life. Wherever you're at, in your living rooms, and your car, wherever, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and just close your eyes and and I'm asking, come on, parents, encourage whoever's around, encourage your friends around you right now to do it. Process with God. Even if you know, I know I'm a Christian. I know you do. So close your eyes then and honor God in this and honor me in this. Because there's some that might be around you that aren't and they need to get that moment to get right with Jesus. And if that's you today and you're saying, man, I have, I've lived in fear. It's, COVID has proven I've not surrendered to the Lord. I am mostly surrendered to the ideas and the spirit of the age. My faith muscle is weak or whatever. I want to give you an opportunity to let Jesus be the author and finisher of your faith. If that's you right now, I want you to to acknowledge Jesus, you are Lord of my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit and fill me with hope. And I ask you to become the author and finisher of my faith. Help me to grow in the grace of God and help me to, to fulfill your will. I want a faith that trusts and surrenders and I want a faith that changes things. And I'm asking you, to be Lord of my life and accomplish these things. In Jesus' name, save me, amen.